Hi, this is Joe. And I'm Amy. And this is What Makes It Fun with Joe. And Amy. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to another episode of What Makes It Fun with Joe and Amy. I am Joe. And I am Amy. And I am a former trained professional wrestler, stuntman, I dabble in improv, I do game design, and Amy is an actress, uh, voiceover artist, and improviser. Um, And with these powers combined, we're going to tell you our opinion on various things of how to make things fun and interview awesome people like today's guest, um, your sister. Yeah, my sister is an awesome human being. Her name is Talia Ellis. She's a character designer and storyboard artist. She's worked for uh, Tobuscus uh, on the internet. She's uh, been a huge influence, or she's the artist for Rory, who's a, a French uh, pop singer. Mm. And uh, she's just an incredible human being who happens to be related to me. <laughs> yeah, she's an incredible um, character designer as mm-hmm. well. I love her designs. And this interview, she talks so much about how to make characters readable, what makes them good. And just it's just a really, really awesome, good interview if you're a character designer or you're just into animation in general. Um, and after that, we're going to do a round of certified fun and almost fun, so stay tuned. All right, everyone. Uh, today we have a special guest, um, Talia Ellis. Welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Um, and uh, Talia is the owner of Blazing Rain Studios. Yep, that's right. And you guys do uh, animation and um, uh, storyboarding. And what other services do you guys provide? Uh, we do character design, storyboarding, animation for web cartoons. We've done animations for music videos, commercials, things along those lines. Okay. And uh, you guys might notice that she sounds strikingly similar <laughs> to my co-host, Amy. This is what the co-host, Amy, sounds like. Talia, why don't you give them your voice? Hi, how's it going? This is Talia's voice. Clearly different. If you're confused, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're uh, twin sisters. Um, so, uh, I like to go uh, far back. Um, do you remember, probably for both of you guys, uh, what was the first time that you actually entertained someone that, like on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> so many accidental times. Uh, but I think... The first time I really remember entertaining somebody was when we were, I believe it was in preschool, um, preschool, elementary school, where we were in our, our, our daycare and they like to put on shows. And my brother and I were always like the two top. He was always the lead and I was always the, the female lead, which was a little weird when they were supposed to be a couple. <laughs> it was a little <laughs> awkward. Um, and I remember I played uh, the Queen of Hearts in this little show thing and I was talking to the audience of younger kids and I was holding out my tray of tarts and the knave of hearts came and was stealing my tray of tarts. I now remember this. (laughs) I'm like, what? I can see her face. She's like, what are you talking about? This never happened. Um, and I, and the, my role, I was supposed to talk to the kids like, oh man, I love my tarts so much. These are great. Aren't they wonderful? And I wasn't supposed to notice that the knave took them. Uh-huh. And so the knave took my, my, my tarts and I'm standing there holding nothing, still talking to the kids like, mm, yes, they smell wonderful. And the kids are all screaming at me and pointing, he stole the tarts. He loved the tarts. I'm like, what? Yes, tarts are great. Um, and it was for that moment with me, I was like, this is the best thing in the world. I, I loved 
entertaining like younger kids. I thought it was so great to have that kind of interaction and that they were so invested that they were screaming at me. <laughs> And did you play it up more because they were doing? That? Oh yeah, I loved it because like they would. There was the tarts, the nave. I'm like the nave is one of my very best friends. You know, like yeah. it was a little bit of improv there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then of course I had to notice and be like, oh no, my tarts. <laughs> I think uh, I think Amy was the detective. Was I? I think you I were. Or no, oh, our brother. The... Our brother was the detective. Was you I? were Mary Mary quite contrary. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel like we actually did a circus for them that was before that, where you and yeah, your tumblers when we were like four. Yeah, we probably. I, yeah, no, I, we did because I cried because I got stage shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've been entertaining other kids for a long time accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I say accidentally because I fell down one time in first grade and everyone laughed. Oh, so, um, in in eighth grade, I gave a speech and then tripped <gasps> on a bunch of cards in that. front of the entire eighth grade class, and everybody laughed at me. Thirteen year olds <laughs> are nightmares. Like, oh, it was the worst. Um, yeah, I did get the "Have a nice trip, see you next fall" oh. joke afterwards. Oh yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's horrible. But I like it <laughs> on purpose is the best. Uh, so you you then kind of moved on to, you kind of focus on animation and character design. Um, why, why that specifically, instead of going to other forms of entertainment? Um, when I was a kid, or probably around the age of, well, when I was about 10 years old, I started making comics. That was my very first foray into it. Um, I didn't actually start getting into comic books till I was 14, but I was very much into the, uh, the anime show Sailor Moon when I was 10, and um, that was like my very first art inspiration. I think a lot, uh, there are a lot of artists in my particular age bracket that, were, that was inspired by anime when we were very young, yeah. and I think it's still very popular today. It's continuing on, and it was just something we had never seen before. It was a way that cartoons had been um, created that was really new for us because um, it was an entirely different style. So um, uh, that felt like the strongest way to have the connection with the characters was to draw them out and to have them acting out the scenes and just expressing it through that way. And I kept finding that I would always return back to comics, even you know if I if I ever wanted to express an idea. Sometimes people will just draw a picture, like, "Oh, isn't this a funny picture?" And I was always like, no, no, it has to have the story. You have to put the story to it. So uh, it, there would be, someone would draw like one picture and be like, isn't it funny? I've conveyed the entire image and, or the entire idea in one image. And I'd be like, no, I've, I've drawn a comic. There's three, <laughs> build, the build up and then there's the comic of it happening. And then there's where it went. So, um, you know, I had ca cartoons had such a big influence on my life when I was younger mm. that I just kept, that I just kept going back to it. And um, that's actually, that's how I chose the college that I went to is because uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, uh -huh. which is where I went to school, uh, was the only program, uh, one of the only program, or one of the only colleges in the country that had that program of sequential art, which is comic book or storyboard art. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure if there are other colleges who have um, got the program, but it was, you know, Cal Arts and Savannah College of Art and Design, and I think there was one other school at the time that specialized or had a, a course system in sequential art, comic book oh, okay. art. That's cool. So, uh, so is there, when you're growing up, like watching cartoons and things like that, by the way, what's your favorite cartoon of all time? Oh, you, that's an unfair question. <laughs> I don't think I can answer that because there's top, so many. Just in the top tier. We don't have yeah. to number uh, which one. Um, there are so many that I love so much. It's so many that inspired me and I have like 
you know, things like when I was a kid, they were so important to me at the time that now that I'm an adult, I look back and I'm like, ooh, (laughs) not as good as I remember, but um, it was so important for my development and growth at the time. Some of my favorite cartoons, um, I I love pretty much anything by Craig McCracken or uh, Gendy. Tartoskovsky, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong, but um, that Samurai Jack, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, (laughs) Um, Powerpuff Girls was a huge influence when I was younger. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, X-Men Evolution, one of my favorites. When I was a kid, I loved the old X-Men cartoon. Mm -hmm. I loved the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. That's a really great new one that can't come out. Oh, Gravity Falls! I love Gravity Falls so much. There's there's too many. (laughs) There's so many. I've I've heard such good things about Steven Universe. I can't wait to watch that. Like... Um, so many good shows for so many different reasons. Uh, Adventure Time. Oh, oh yeah, my God, I love Adventure Time. <laughs> like, uh, there's so many great shows out there, and it's so amazing for cartoonists right now because you know people who have so many different outlets because there's the internet and you have things like like Bravest Warriors or Be mm-hmm. Puppycat, which you know haven't made it to television but are still hugely, insanely popular on um, the internet. And they have such a widespread um, appeal to people, and people have such great access to it. Hmm. So wh- why is it that um, uh, Gandhi Tartasovsky, I think? Sorry, Gandhi. I know you're going to listen to this podcast. I'm so sorry. He's a regular listener. What is it about his style that you like over... Ben 10 or something else like uh, but just maybe is it the story or is it the art or the animation or all of it or uh it's a big combination of all of those things because um Gendy he did uh he recently did Hotel Transylvania he was the director on that and he came back for Hotel Transylvania too and his sense of timing is just amazing he has snappy animation big expressions and really clean, solid design. I mm. love both him and Craig's design work because mm. it's always very um, shape-oriented. It gets you to the point, mm. and it's very smooth. Uh, and it leads to these really expressive characters, uh, and his animation style is just big and, and pushing it. You know, He pushes it so far that everything is just a huge performance, and it's wonderful to watch the characters. So what is the what is the difference between that and you said earlier that there's some shows where you look back and you're like oh my god I like that like I it's horrible like for me that's Samurai Pizza Cat oh my god I was that was on the tip of my tongue I was just about to make that joke oh my god <laughs> we were, we loved Samurai Pizza Cat we had a mini obsession with Samurai Pizza Cat we did I love speed polyester oh, oh yeah that's you, right you loved poly no I loved Francine you did that's I loved, right you don't know this about me but I have the worst as a child I had the worst taste in cartoon characters <laughs> absolutely <laughs> worst everybody every cartoon character that nobody would like was like my absolute favorite so yeah like she liked like Zazu like Mati <laughs> like oh, yeah. Snarf yes like, Snarf yeah. any character that was like the, the whistleblower <laughs> the party pooper yeah, yeah. like that one that one that's that you yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's the worst day. I know. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you were about to say that. I didn't know you watched that show too. Oh yeah, I used to love that. I love the song. I think it was the song. Simmerat Pizza Kids. Oh, and like also like I think for, for you and for me, since we're twins, we're very similar. The pun work and that is oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. And we love puns. Fantastic. We're huge fans of puns. Geriatric. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Um, so what is, uh, do you have any examples of those cartoons 
that you're like, this isn't good, and I thought it was good at one point? Um, you know, probably get hate for it, but actually, as much as I loved it, the original X-Men cartoon, mm. because as, you know, I loved it as a kid, it was, it was so much fun, but as an adult, it, it is just, um, you know, very, very trite, yeah. and, um, the reusing animation over yeah. and over, and it was just, it was just pretty pretty stiffly animated and yeah. the characters were just like let's it's time to get to the next plot let's just do it and yeah. it was it was it's just not as much fun as i remember <laughs> i feel like the truth it's also to be said of the the original ninja turtle cartoons that was the other one that yeah was really like as again much, no don't hate yeah as much as, as much as i loved it growing up like we we loved everything about it we used to play ninja turtles all the time and uh, but you know, just they just didn't care. The animation was just so sloppy and stiff, and like the characters would be painted the wrong color on their bandana, so <laughs> yeah. like Raph's voice would be coming out of Donnie's mouth. And like as a kid, you know, um, Amelia and I were super logical. Uh -huh. So when we were a kid and we would see this, we'd be like, "It doesn't make sense. How is this?" We'd have to like do the mental gymnastics of Raph is throwing his voice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like we had to reason it out. Most kids would be like, "Whatever," but we were like, "No, the world continuity." We need it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even <So> like, as kids. <laughs> so, like, when you guys were playing uh, Ninja Turtles, Amy, were you like Fugitoid or like Splinter? <laughs> like, sort of no. the no. <laughs> Ninja Turtles is the only exception to the rule. Because I, lo I love the one everyone likes, Michelangelo. Uh, I'm a Donatello. No, Donatello! She, she's totally high fiving. Yes. <laughs> that was my favorite. I thought I was going to marry him. I did. I was like seven years old, and I was like, Let's have a relationship. It doesn't matter that you're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and I'm seven. We are getting wed yeah. right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. mine was uh, Gadget. Gadget. Loved Gadget, oh. too. That's a great show. Um, I don't know if that one stands the test of time. I only watched you the theme song over and over again. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, the catchy theme songs, okay? Like the Disney yeah. cartoons, catchy, catchy theme songs. Yeah. Um, Much like ads, they, the catchy theme songs like stick in your head and you remember mm -hmm. it forever. Oh, Circus yeah. Serial, man. Oh my gosh, that was the one I was thinking of. Nobody knows that one, but come on. Crossfire. Oh, yeah. Crossfire. That's every Crossfire. time you... Crossfire. You'll get caught up in love. Crossfire. <laughs> I think it's you'll get caught up in it. I don't know. I just thought it was love. And I was, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, it's a warning. He destroys that other kid and he celebrates and then the Crossfire. Crossfire. Yeah. <laughs> what about him? Uh, <laughs> the violence that they let you get away with in cartoons too, like going back to mm -hmm. kind of like connecting this to cartoons. You got away with so much more way back when. They, the censors are just yeah. uh, crazy now. Like you mm -hmm. can't get away with so much stuff and you have to think about so many it's, other things yeah, with it. Even, even in the new uh, Ninja Turtles, because I've seen like every episode and they don't they never really show anyone hitting anyone, but they, they fake it. Like they cut right before a hit. And then you see the after effects, or you see a slow motion version, but you never see like actual content. The weird thing is, like the kids are know what's happening, like even though they don't see it. Kind of like um, when they would take the anime shows and bring them over to America, oh. there was so much censorship oh, yeah. that went on, uh, including with the violence. And um, although I wasn't the biggest fan, even in Yu-Gi-Oh, wow. they they painted out all the guns, so people would just wow. and they would cut the punching scenes out, and so it's like it's implied that I'm punching, punching you. you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like they just took out all of the violence. Violence they took out, like even them just holding guns. So they have like invisible guns. They didn't make them like holding something else that was less violent. It was just their hands as though they're holding guns, but with nothing in them. <laughs> yeah, they did that with Dragon Ball Z a lot. With uh, when uh, they would, the uh, aliens would destroy a plane that had people in it clearly, 
And then uh, a kid, someone would just dub over Tian saying, oh, I see the parachutes. They're okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't, they didn't have enough time. They were screaming in the, yeah, last, in the last shot. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. Um, so when you're developing uh, products for, for your clients, um, what is the most important idea to get over? Not, not like pitching, as, but as when you're actually working on the actual product and you're developing something that you're trying to get the user's attention. Uh, what is the most base thing that you have to do? Like, do you set up the character first? Do you set up the environment or the message or the mood? Or what is the most important thing that you do personally? Uh, the most important thing is the character. Uh, you always have to make sure that you have a strong sense of who your character is when you're designing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and a lot of people, that's that's especially important and relevant today. It wasn't so relevant back then, but it's definitely today that everybody wants something that's character-driven, character-related. Mm-hmm. Someone that you personally would want to spend time with <laughs> or uh-huh. would want to be. Um, and... So that, for me, a lot of what, with characters is you need to have them be relatable. That's one of the most important things because you can have the most awesome looking character, but if you can't relate to them, you don't really care about them. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to see where they're going or what they're doing because mm-hmm. it's like, eh, I can't really relate to this guy or this girl's struggles. Yeah. Um, and so when you when you say that it wasn't important back then, do you mean Samurai Pizza Cats or <laughs> Bugs Bunny? Well, you know, a lot of things. Well, I mean, everybody. Well, lots and lots of people love Bugs Bunny. Like those those yeah. characters did have great appeal. But you know, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of GI Joe uh, or like the Planeteers or even X Men, where it was more story driven. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really about these characters. It was more about what they were struggling against. It mm-hmm. was you know. Oh, they're versus Magneto, or they're versus um, Cobra, or whatever they're fighting. Yeah. Um, and I think nowadays you have so many more the things that are comedy driven, where you're focusing on this person and how they deal with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the what it is doesn't really matter. Like take um, Adventure Time, Finn, for example. Uh-huh. Sometimes you know there's not an overarching story. You know, it's usually just Finn getting involved in these various adventures where he's dealing with interesting people and how he's handling that situation. Sometimes there's really cool epic fight scenes, but it's more about Finn's development or how Finn's handling it or what, you know, Jake is doing. Mm-hmm. It's more character driven than it is um, plot driven or story driven. So, so, uh, so when you're designing a character, like let, let's say someone comes and wants you to design a character for them, what are things that you do to make that character relatable to somebody? Like where you look at them and be like, oh, I do want to be, just by looking at them, I do want to be this fr- person's friend. I do know what their struggle is. For me, something that I specialize in too is um, the emotion, the expression. Um, a lot of times it's with the eyes. But some characters, you know, I just recently designed a character that doesn't have eyes. It was part of it, and I, uh, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a real challenge of making this character relatable if I don't have eyes for for people to look into or people to express with. So it had a lot to do with that character's body language. Mm-hmm. And the expression, the way that they um, the, the way that they stand, the way that they feel, that's really important mm-hmm. for people to be able to relate to them. So, you know, when you're designing characters, especially if you're presenting your character for the first time, you never really want to have them in a neutral position or something that's very static. You want to get the character's personality out through their body. You should be able to look at that character immediately mm-hmm. and say, this person is, is that kind of character or that has that kind of personality. Mm-hmm. And that's all in the body position, how they're, where their arms are folded, if they're open, if they're up or they're down, the legs crossed, mm-hmm. open. What kind of person is this? And also very much in their expression. Do they have an angry face? Are they constantly grumpy? Are they, you know, more of a sympathetic character? 
all that stuff matters. And that's what's really going to help you convey your character, not just in animation, but in your design. Mm-hmm. So do you ever worry that like, so you're trying to design characters so people can relate to them, mm-hmm. but do you ever, or how do you get out of the trap of like being too specific about like, I want this character who has no friends and he hates everyone and he loves pro wrestling. And, uh, but like, but like, do you ever get worried that like, oh, who can ever relate to this guy, even though he's like really specific? Do you stop at a certain level of detail on a character or how does that work? Um, every, every part of your design should help convey your character. Um, if you have somebody who is super specific, uh, you know, it, it, usually that, that comes from whoever's created the show or whoever's written the show. Yeah. So you have to take whatever they give you and express that fully. So it's a person that has no friends. So you want to put that expression in, like, and obviously they're angry all the time. And they <laughs> love pro wrestling, right? These are the things that I'm given here. Okay. So um, they're, they're angry all the time. Of course, you're going to want to have them have pretty grumpy expression, you know, and right. it's, there's a difference between kind of uh, an evil expression and a grumpy expression. And you want to make sure that it's kind of a more of a grumpy oh, okay. or angry expression. And you want to put all these things that people give you into the character design. Now, if they start going over the top and they're like, oh, and they're also like, half elf and half dwarf and they, but they also have wings and they're also part you know centaur and they're also part like and they're also sad but usually happy like if it's some, sometimes where you don't have specifics for the character or you have too many specifics for the character that can really mess with your design mm-hmm. um, because you have to and, and at that point you have to pick out the most important characteristics and the ones that are going to mean the most to your audience or to your story. Mm. Um, hopefully you don't have something where every single part of it is like, no, every single part relates to the pilot episode and they, you yeah. know, we need to explain it all immediately. Um, but you have to pick out the most important features to express and convey to the audience. Um, for example, I th- I'm thinking of Discord from oh, yeah. My Little Pony Friendship Magic and he has every single part of his body is different from another part of his body. So he has like a, a goat horn and he has that snaggle tooth and he has, you know, like a, a, a griffin claw. But, you know, it's also specially controlled that, you know, and it's really well balanced. So you can look at that design and you look at him immediately and be like, wow, he looks chaotic, but this is discord. That's who he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So you can take those elements and they're simplified. It's not like he's got too much going on. They took that whole discordant thing uh-huh. and they could have made his eyes one different and the other, you know, like one different than the other. And then every single part of him would have been too much, but they focused it specifically on the limbs mm. and, um, sectioned his body equally so you can take all those elements in as long as you have a good sense of balance to it and you simplify it so that you're not overwhelming the viewer with way too much information you can pretty much handle eh, just about everything (laughs) oh so it's it's more of like even though the character is like crazy design it still has based in reality he's still based in reality or at least the reality of the show, I guess. Yeah, he's got to he's got to match that style of the show, and he's got to have a balance to him. Um, there's there's basic rules of rule of threes in character designing. When you design, you usually like to do things in groups so that they're mm-hmm. e- not only are they easier to understand visually, but they're also easier to draw. So mm-hmm. you want to have things usually in groups of three. Like if, if you look at um, Lisa Simpson's head, uh-huh. she has, you know, you just look at that, you're like a bunch of spikes, but they're actually a group of three, group of three, and I think a group of two. So I think she has um, seven spikes on her head. Oh, okay. And Bart Simpson's the same way. Like they have a set number, like it just looks like a row of spikes, but they're actually grouped together uh-huh. and there's a specific number so that they can be easily recreated and you can kind of get just get it by looking at it. And that goes throughout the like entire show, like all the characters. Yeah, 
yeah, all the characters' things are usually grouped. Um, thing, uh, there's a lot of um, math in it, sort of, because you want to, you know, this person is this many heads high, and it's also for helping. Re- it's helping recreate it, and it's helping right. give it a sense of how it looks with the other characters mm-hmm. in the way of what their heights are, how they relate to each other. Um, you know, Homer has those little M's on the side of his head, and it, yeah. it gives you that sense. Oh, there's kind of like wisps of hair there, right. but also so much easier to create again. Yeah for other artists. I, I did read that, that the M and the, his ear is Matt Grady, MG. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like they, they do a lot of, design is so much fun. You get to put so many secret things in there sometimes. Uh, so once you have like a strong, strong readable characters, likable characters, um, what, what are like the tenets of a, of a good story? Because you just mentioned that in Adventure Time, there's kind of no adventure, or you said there's like <laughs> There's no- adventure, it's just there's no plot. Uh, so what do, you, what do you do with that when there's no plot? How do you get people engaged to continue watching to the end of the episode? Well, you, um, I'm more into, I'm more of the design aspect than the story aspect. Oh, okay. But um, usually what you want to do is you want to focus on character. Every time you have a story, you're either following a plot, a story, or you're following that character's growth or development. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to you make sure that you're focusing on the character if there's no story or no plot, I should say. I think it'd be fair because in improv, you're not supposed to do plot either. And you, the reason you're watching the people is because you care about the people and the emotional reaction. I think you would like to see Finn have those emotional reactions because you come in and like you don't really have a plot. It doesn't really matter if he mm-hmm. wins or loses because there is no story. But you have something, oh, he really wants to, you know, impress these people or he really wants to get this thing. And watching him fail and succeed as it, that's the interesting part. Yeah, that's interesting because it, it's more of just having... St- I'm trying to steal it, but it's more of just having stakes mm-hmm. for the character and then not and rather than like a story like the classic, you know, three, you know, three acts like we just talked about in the last oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's the same way with wrestling. It, there's not the story is basically the stakes. It's like, can this character do this to this character? And then you want to you want to see like Jeff Hardy's reaction of like, is he going to celebrate? Is he finally going to get it or not? Yeah. So uh, so I guess it, like character would be the most important thing uh, of all. That's interesting. Uh, so, what was the other thing I was going to ask? Oh, important questions. Oh, do I have to ask that already? What if I already know the answer? I'll just ask. So, this question's kind of important. Okay, most important question. Most important. Have you okay. seen Monster Squad? <laughs> you, you know the answer to that. Just for the viewers. Uh, the listeners? The viewers. <laughs> um... Yes. yes. Yes, I've seen Monster Squad many times. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, Talia knows it's my favorite movie in the whole world. Yeah. And she also really She has a poster, that, that, is, a poster. that is framed uh, in, in is her framed. bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Not even like a sacred living room space, it's in the bedroom. No, exactly. <laughs> I have intimate conversations with it at night, uh, discuss where our lives are going. <laughs> um, They've pretty much got it figured out, I think. For them. <laughs> you think that, you just you haven't talked to it. <laughs> Uh, do you have any personal maxims about character design? I mean, there's a lot of general rules, but 
uh, for your <laughs> I'm so ready for this. <laughs> okay. I've been waiting for this question. <laughs> yes. Um, I prepped her. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to get the document things. So there are a couple of general rules of character designing. Um, this is, you know, not only for, de- this is in general for designers, and then there's going to be a part that's sort of like, not only for designers, but also for people who uh, are hiring designers or who want to make something where they have a good character. Uh-huh. So in general, if you're a designer, you want your character ha- to have a strong silhouette. And what a silhouette is, is basically the character's just completely blacked out. You remember, who's that Pokemon, you know? Mm-hmm. And you would point it out by the silhouette. That's kind of what you want with your character design. You want to be able to have a who's that character <laughs> and its silhouette. And you can tell just by that shape who your character is. If you have a whole cast of characters and you can't tell their differ- the difference of them in the silhouette, you have a problem because mm-hmm. the... What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, you need to have that strong recognizability mm-hmm. with them so that um, you can have them anywhere and they'll, they'll be able to show up and people will recognize it. Mm. Also, um, another character design tip for designers is uh, it's, it's in that similar kind of thing. It's, it's a basic silhouette kind of thing. Mm. Um, if you take your characters, dress them all the same, like the same bodysuit take away their, their color, no black and white, just the line work, mm. and take away their hair can you still tell them apart? Mm. If you can't tell them, and they're all in a neutral position, nobody has their expressive cool poses that's like, oh, that's a sassy one, that's a brainy one. No, you should be able to tell all of your characters apart by just how they look without any color, just no distinguishing, just their, their body shape, their features. Uh, for example, a really great example of this is The Incredibles. Um, Pixar's Incredibles they are all wearing the same suit and if you took away their color if you took away their hair you could tell each and every one of those people apart Uh, in neutral stance no problem you can tell Mr. Incredible from Elastigirl everybody they're they're super distinct you can also see this in Aladdin has a really good everybody has such a great shape they have such distinct features you can absolutely tell them all apart that's how you should base your character designs on the only exception for this is if you are designing things for dolls a lot of toy maker companies um you know if you take a look at monster high uh those dolls all basically have the same body type with the different hair and just slightly different eyes and that's for doll production that's specifically so that that the manufacturers can create basically the same doll over and over and do different stickers for the eyes put on different hair and they're done so that's you know there's also a big what's your goal you know video game design is going to be different than animation design because video game is different to um program than animating um but as a general rule of thumb if you're doing i'm i'm specialize in cartoons so I'm talking about animation for most of this Um, and then just two other little macros I guess I have maximums thank you I've been saying wrong things all day (laughs) Um, the two other things that I have are very specific um, to how I operate and what I would suggest for people who are looking to create characters or other character designers is um, your character should look um, basically extremely approachable, extremely relatable. They should be, the, the phrase that I've been using and that has worked really well with clients is they look like they should be ni- they would be nice to you at a party. <laughs> so if you, you know, depending on what you want your character to be, if it's a villain character, maybe you want to be nice to you at a party. But, you know, if that's, your character should look approachable. They should look like somebody you want to know more about. And the other thing is that your, your character should look like it has what I like to call the hand of the designer in it. Um, <laughs> which is 
it looks like it should be somebody that was designed. You know, you go into a dollar store, you go into the kids section, and you see those like knockoff Barbies with yeah. their packaging, and it's just some random girl. And you can look at that and go, that's just a that's just a female picture. Like it's just a drawing of a girl. Yeah. It's not a character. And then you can go and you look things that are especially made for toys and you're like, oh, that's from something. Or if you go into a store and you see something without any of the packaging, just a character by itself, like a doll or a toy or just on a, on a Frisbee or something, you can look at that and be like, that's from something. Mm-hmm. You should be able to look at it and, and say, this is a character and not just a drawing. Mm-hmm. And part of how you get to that point, which I'm sure was going to be a follow-up question, yeah. <laughs> how do you make your character look like a character and not just like a drawing, is um, there's a lot of specificity you need to have in it. And some people will fall into the pitfall of making it too specific, like, oh, they have odd colored eyes and bizarre hair color that's every strand is different. Uh-huh. And they have wings and they have two different kinds of arms and you know like all all sorts of different things where you you're going too specific into it uh-huh. but a lot of it has to do with the personality that you convey through the character and the choices you make especially color and drawing choices this could be a lot longer <laughs> but just um you have to make specific choices that are going to make that character universally recognizable for example um steven universe i was at um WonderCon this uh back in uh that April? Yeah. Back in April, I was in WonderCon and I saw people walking around with Steven Universe shirt on. It's red, it has a drawn yellow star. It's not perfect. It's not like super sharp points could make it in Photoshop with a tool. It was a, a, a specifically drawn star. And every time I saw it on somebody, even if they had blonde hair, even if they were a girl, I could tell that was a Steven Universe shirt. Mm-hmm. And it's the simplest thing in the world. It's red with this just drawn star on it. Mm-hmm. And that is a character that who is designed where you can take that symbol that he has on his shirt you can take that look and put it on anywhere and it's immediately recognizable as that character Mm -hmm. and part of that is because of the color choices that they use primaries are usually pretty popular think of some of the most iconic characters you know Mm -hmm. Superman primaries even like Captain America primaries lots of primary colors and I guess I'm specifically comic books but you know (laughs) lots (laughs) Pac-Man exactly (laughs) he's primaries primaries right there Cookie Monster anything that's uh, <laughs> yeah, those those colors, red, yellow, blue, white, mm-hmm. they they end up being some of the most iconic looking um, mm-hmm. colors and characters. Um, so utilizing that to your advantage to your advantage too. Of course, you know there are a lot of different colors that'll come out and um, be can be easily recognizable, but those are usually primaries are usually the most eye catching. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're designing uh, heroes versus villains, mm-hmm. um, is there a general rule between like? the shapes that you use or the colors that you use or like can a can a good guy wear black and um like be like really short or like or is there like a general rule for that um it, it really depends on what you want your your character to convey a lot of um i guess you'd say classic colors for villains are going to be your blacks your greens your purples just look at any of the disney lineups you're going to see a lot of black a lot of purple a lot of green um, but of course, villains aren't limited to that. Think about Frozen Han in that he was supposed to be a good guy. His colors are a lot of um, whites and golds and things mm-hmm. like that. But he's actually a bad guy. So it, it also depends on what you want your character to, how you want your character to portray themselves, how you want them to be presented in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, in, in the opposite for heroes, like um, from DreamWorks um, Puss in Boots. He's a short guy. He's got a black hat. You know, those are usually supposed to be your 
oh, that's going to be a bad guy kind of thing, but he's an adorable cat, and you love him, and he's still short, wearing black, and he's still a hero. Mm-hmm. So there's, um, it and, really depends on your character. And I was going to say, and like Toothless, who's an all-black yes. dragon. He's green got eyes. Like green eyes. He's got like those triangle shapes. Like he's got spikes on him, but he's adorable. Oh, my God. He's the cutest. My kitty looks like Toothless. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's the dragon cat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a good guy. You can't, you love that character. And when you first, you know, meet Toothless, he is kind of intimidating when you're seeing him in shadow and, like, when he's blasting his blue fire and everything. Uh-huh. Like, you, you want that. But that's part of the story. Of course, he's going to have to be black because originally he's portrayed kind of as a villain. Right. So you have to think about how these colors are going to serve your story mm-hmm. and, how these, and how these characters are going to operate in it. So I have a, I, there's this uh, thing I've been working with for the last year personally about how to make cute characters yay you, my you, specialty <laughs> is there, do you have a, uh, any kind of uh, is, there, is there anything specific you do to make a character cute yes there's a lot of things you can do to make your character cute um, a lot of times cuteness comes from basically a lot of things that we think are cute are usually because they're related in some way to babies uh, it's a human thing where uh, we relate cuteness to, to kids or small animals just babies so uh, if you're trying to make a cute character a lot of it a lot of it is the eyes the eyes are the uh, the biggest part sometimes literally that makes the character cute <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but you can you know in you can either have those big soulful eyes you know and, and you know that's because you know children's eyes are bigger when they're born they have these big adorable eyes mm-hmm. and that's something that you usually want to emphasize you can also get away with um, black dot eyes think Pikachu or um, catbug and those uh, remind you of animals, like uh, l- adorable little puppies uh, have those kinds of eyes. Um, so you could get away with that. Usually a bigger head, mm-hmm. characters that have a bigger head than their body, cuter. Um, the face should be contained kind of like in one area. like Nickel um, face. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to have a really, you usually don't want to have a really long face because that expresses age. When you have a face that's closer in together, again, we're relating it to babies. Their, mm-hmm. their features are usually pretty like localized central. Uh-huh. That's what you'll want to do. Uh, and you usually want to put it lower on the face because a bigger forehead also is very child, mm-hmm. uh, very childish. So you want to have, or childlike. So you want to have that. And usually, not all the time, but usually rounder characters, round shapes, circular, um, things that are little chubby or super cute. You know, think of Pikachu. Uh, he's one of the most perfect cute designs. He's all pudgy and small and he has these little teeny legs. Like, things like that uh, will help you get to a, a cute character. I was, yeah, I was thinking, I was like, why is the... I was looking at a bunch of drawings of cute characters and I took out the head. Mm-hmm. And I was looking and there's like these little nub arms. Mm-hmm. Like, that's still cute. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it all relates back to babies. And they, <laughs> if they have those, those little chubby arms that don't really have wrists, <laughs> they just go into these little tiny nubs for fingers. Uh-huh. Adorable. Like, <laughs> they, they all look really cute. Those round shapes, um, not really having a lot of... Sp- you know, you, you want it to look as non-threatening as possible. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting you said that because I was thinking about outside of character design, mm-hmm. um, about like like if you're if you're uh, if you've never played pool before, for example, and there's a pool shark there, and then you're like, well, I'm gonna beat you, pool shark, and he would say that's cute. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, I think what he means is that you're no, not a real threat to me. Yeah, exactly. So I think yeah. in character design that translates to things that aren't threatening because we were doing this character uh, for this other game we we're developing. And it's supposed to be a cute villager, and um, it was like basically a mask with eyes and, and, and teeth and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and the artist drew um, him with like a big mouth and it looks scary mm-hmm. and I was like if you made that a small mouth he couldn't eat you <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. It's, it should definitely look as non-threatening as possible no sharp teeth I mean you can get away with it sometimes think about um, Stitch yeah. from oh, yeah. Lilo and Stitch because he has kind of he's got a sense of being sort of threatening about him in some ways but he's just so cute yeah. and it's because he has all those round shapes he has big ears which if you're thinking of little animals like dogs have bigger ears than they have you know the rest of them like bigger paws bigger ears Right. Stitch has that going on. He's got those dark eyes that I was talking about that are usually animalistic eyes. Right. You can you can go wrong with those kinds of eyes though. The black with just the the white dot. Those mm. can also be terrifying yeah. eyes if yeah. you do them wrong. So like it can go both ways. But um, yeah, he's still he's got a lot of those round shapes. Think of his arms. Mm-hmm. They they don't go down into a wrist. They have that kind of yeah. like pudginess about him. And they they put in those elements of him being scary when they need to. Yeah. Like they'll show his claws when they need to. Or they'll have him baring his teeth more. But even his teeth aren't super sharp, they still have that kind of rounded sense about it. Yeah. And even though he is, like, kind of fast and, like, he has a gun and stuff, he's still kind of, like, his intentions aren't bad. So you you do kind of see him as a little bit harmless. Or at least I do. Yeah, he's got, well, I think about his gun, too, even, because it's usually, it's a rounded shape. Yeah. You know, bright colors, rounded shape. Yeah, it looks like a, a little toy blaster, and he's, you know... It's just cute. And it doesn't even fire bullets. It fires almost like plasma shots that yeah, don't really hurt that anybody. all the villains and cartoons the- use for some reason. In oh, yeah. Well, we, we can't, or invisible guns like in Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah. You, we can't, you know, you can't show that kind of violence. You know, yeah. you think back with Tom and Jerry, they used to be hitting each other all the time. So violent. And yeah. things that were easily repeatable by kids. Yeah. You yeah. just can't do that anymore. And, yeah. you know, rightfully so. You don't want, yeah. you know, you can't have a character picking up a stapler and throwing it at somebody because that's repeatable. You could have them pick it up a desk and throw it at somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because no, you don't have to worry about kids doing that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Unless they're super bad. <laughs> so, do you have any like advice for up and coming character designers or artists, like on you know how they can make better characters or how they can just you know make, be better artists? Um, I think this is probably advice that they hear a lot, and it's draw every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, just keep drawing, drawing so draw so much. To be honest, when I was in college, I was not as good of an artist as I was. To, the pretty much the summer after I left college because I started drawing a comic because as we remember I'm obsessed with comics and I drew that comic every single day and I pretty much lived to draw that comic and I just kept drawing and my skills just got so much better because every single day I was drawing and uh, this so I recommend drawing comics if you're into that I know a lot of people aren't really but it also if you're drawing a comic especially one with a story it forces you to draw things that you would not normally draw mm. I had um, a storyline or part part of the storyline and the comic that I was drawing involved somebody having to deal with a bloody nose. And I had never drawn that before. And so I was like, oh, I have to draw this something that's entirely new. Or there's a car chase scene. I had to draw cars. You know, like all these things that I, I wouldn't normally be familiar with. And, you know, doing that, you look at reference. You have to reference for your work. I can't tell you how much better my work looks when I'm referencing something. Like even as a... Even as uh, at, the, at the level of skill that I am right now, whenever I, I'm constantly referencing things, and it's one of the best things you can do. Don't copy, <laughs> don't trace, but um, you know, reference it if you're going to be drawing that. I mean, if you're really, really young or you're really, really just starting, it's okay to do traces and it's okay to do copies as long as you uh, acknowledge the work that you traced or copied and you acknowledge the artist. That's a very important thing. Um, and as for just getting into designing or character designs, 
Um, that's just some of the things that I said before. Make sure it has a strong, your character has a strong silhouette. Um, make sure that your character has a strong personality that comes through in your drawing. You know, their body position, their eyes should convey their character. Do not have them in a neutral pose. Um, and uh, just make sure that they look relatable. <laughs> that they would, that if you, you know, show it around to people too. Be, and ask other people's opinions. Don't be afraid, especially especially other artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are, if you do, you know, when you do get critique from people, take um, what makes sense to you. You know, be open to critique. But if it's something where it's like, I like the color green, and you use no green, what? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good character. You know, take things with a, a grain of salt, and uh, use you know, use what's useful to you and just be open to it. Because everything people are going to say, say to you, especially other artists, is going to help you in your career. Mm. They're there to help you. And being open to it, it's, it's going to help you a lot. Mm. That's really good advice. What would you say, just name off maybe two or three star colors? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pink is really in right now. Pink, okay. Pink is super in. I like green. I no, love green. Green, green is, is not, not a star, a star color. color. Green is not a creative color. Squashed. Yeah, purple too. Pink and purple. Pink and, pur- pink and purple. Character designers, pink and purple. So this one's a little more. Uh, I don't know. I guess technical or uh, more about uh, marketing yourself. But so uh, coming out of an art school specifically, mm-hmm. um, I got to talk at SCAD a couple months ago. Oh my God! My home. <laughs> Where'd you speak at? At uh, there was a new building that they built like in the last couple of years. <laughs> you didn't really go there, did you? You just no. lying to me. Yeah, that was my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of the a lot of the kids um, had questions about like great artists, really good artists, but they just have I don't want to say no confidence, but they just have no idea how to start. They just don't feel like they can get into the industry. How did you? And, you, and you're graduating with a lot of other artists. Mm-hmm. So how did you separate from the pack? Um, uh, it's really interesting because uh, a lot of your peers, um, when you're in school with them, you're already kind of getting to know who's going to be out there in the field with you. When I've been out here, I've actually met people who I went to SCAD with. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of people who went to SCAD who um, you know, didn't really uh, pursue this as much as they could. Uh, I had a professor, Ray Godo. Uh, he was my professor for storyboarding and I loved him and he had this really great story about being in school and how when he got out of school he met two of the guys that he went to school with they interviewed for a job with him uh, as an illustrator and he there was one guy who was amazingly talented really good artists like the the students that you spoke with mm-hmm. and but he never finished his projects on time he would always turn them in late or he mm-hmm. wouldn't he wouldn't do them and then there was another guy who was not as great but he was so diligent and he turned in every single assignment and he worked really hard all the time and they gave the guy who was less talented but more diligent the job mm-hmm. and his boss had asked him why didn't you hire the guy who was you know, more amazing. Mm-hmm. He, and, you know, Mr. Goto said he doesn't do his work because mm-hmm. he remembered that from school. And later on, he heard his boss telling their boss the same message and that information got around. So you have to be really diligent. You have to have that work ethic because it will get noticed right away. Mm-hmm. There have been designers or animators in the field who, um, feel who are really talented but either they're not working for it or they're being really disrespectful to the the their work to their um co-workers to their bosses 
uh, and, and that'll bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's the golden triangle of what you have. And this is what I would say for everybody is you have to be at least two of the three. The goal is to be all three mm-hmm. is you have to be, um, you have to hate your deadlines. You have to be very talented and you have to be nice to work with. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to hit all three of those and you'll, you'll be fine. Cause, uh, and if you want to get stuff out there to begin with, you gotta, you gotta have more confidence in your work. Even if you don't, you have to put it out there in front of people and, you know, give people your business cards and, you know, ask if they want to see your sketchbook, especially if you're at conventions like I was at WonderCon Mm. and I would show other people my, my work when I was there Mm. and you can get a lot of connections from people there. Or, um, you know, if you, if you put up a website, don't be afraid to share it with people, mm-hmm. let, uh, display your work. Really. You have to put it out there, even if you don't think it's good enough. Cause believe it or not, there are a lot of people who will think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. But, by the way, Talia meets all three of the golden track. Mm-hmm. She does. Sure do. Um, and you have, uh, you have a website, a Facebook, Twitter. I do. I have all of those things. Every single one. Uh, my website is taliaellis.com. That's my first name, Talia, T-A-L-I-A. Last name, Ellis, E-L-L-I-S.com. And if you just look up Talia Ellis Art, that's my first name, Talia, last name, Ellis Art, on Facebook, you should be able to find my art page. Please feel free to like. I put up a lot of different sketches and stuff. Uh, and... Yeah, and also my Instagram, Talia yeah. Ellis Art. Same thing. If you look up pretty much Talia Ellis or Talia Ellis Art anywhere, I mean, it's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much for having me. Hey. <laughs> All right. We're back. Um, I told you that was a great interview. And he was right. Yeah. Isn't that not amazing? <laughs> she just love her. Yeah. Talia's great. She's really good. Um, and she's available at blazingrain.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. you can check out her art at tellyellis.com. Yeah, be sure and do that. Um, so let's go on with Certified Fun. This is Certified Fun. Yeah! Um, So, um, do you want to do yours first? Sure, I'll do mine. So, there's a really great show that's on television right now called Steven Universe. Have you heard of it, Joe? Yeah. Okay. So, Kevin Dart, I believe, is the art director, and I am not sure if he's the character designer, so... But um, the character designs for that are so... The show is just amazing. Uh, And, like, the character's designs are incredible for that show. So, you've got Steven and the three gems, and all of them, like Talia talked about, the silhouettes... They're all completely different. I love that this show stars three female characters like that. Those are the main stars outside of Steven. And each one is, all the character designs are lovely to look at. You know that the gems, I'm going to focus on the gems for this specifically. Mm. You know that the gems are all female, but none of them have like pretty eyelashes or like, you know, not all of them have lips to show you, which is the traditional way of like, she's a girl. Look, it's Miss Pac-Man. She has eyelashes (laughs) and a bow. None of these girls have eyelashes. None of these girls have bows. They have varying styles of haircut. They're like different tall. They have like different proportions. Like um, a pearl is banana, or banana shape or rectangle shape, so she doesn't have very much curve. But uh, amethyst is much curvier, and garnet has the big hips. And like everybody looks different, but they still look like women. And all of their shapes really fit well with their personalities. They have very simple shape designs, circles, and like rectangles. And it's just it's easy on the eyes, and it's different, and it's beautiful. So I, I just think that they did a fantastic job with the crystal gems. Mm. And um, since you're, um, 
almost fun is related <laughs> you could kind of roll into that one. Oh, just go straight on into almost fun and because because with mine i'm gonna compare my almost fun and certified fun okay almost in one so you could probably do the same thing with yours okay so my almost fun is uh it's actually monster high and ever after high those those girls uh if you compare any of like any of the monster high girls to the crystal gems their designs are are completely in mean, completely different styles, but the Monster High girls they all look alike. The only if you stripped uh, like Tali talks about uh, in our interview, if you stripped away their skin colors, their eye colors, then their hair, and then put all those Monster High girls next to each other, and you know all their you know the things that make them monstery, and just put their basic designs next to each other, they all look the same. The same with the Ever After High girls, they all look the same. And it's if you look at the crystal gems like I just talked about, everybody looks different. They're still feminine. They're still their own individual characters. Monster High, not so much. And the same thing kind of goes with each of their pers- their personalities too, mm-hmm. um, which is a little further off from character design. But the crystal gems, you know, Pearl Pearl has her personality, and so does Amethyst, and so does Garnet. They're all different. Something that Amethyst says would not come out of. Pearl's mouth or out of Garnet's mouth. And so mm-hmm. the Pearl said wouldn't come out of Amethyst, wouldn't come out. They're all individual. Mm-hmm. Monster High or um, Ever After High, all those girls are the same in the way that they think. There are the slightest differences, like maybe this person's a little shyer or maybe this person's more into rock music. Right. But overall, they're the same character in the same body, just with varying details. And that, that message to young girls, and especially when we were talking a little bit about this um, or uh, between in the break, uh, but the, th- the message sends to girls is, is so this is the only body type acceptable for Monster High or uh, Ever After High, and like a seven-year-old children are the ones who are playing with this. You know, high school kids aren't going to play with that. They know they don't look like that, yeah. but little girls are going to are they're like, oh, that's I want to be beautiful like Dracula or, or whatever, and that's what they have to look forward to. Whereas some of them will grow up to look like Amethyst or Pearl or Garnet, and that's like they're also beautiful and strong and incredible women while having different body types and being their own people. Right, and it's not, and it does kind of represent them in a way because um, the Monster High girls are almost literally the same personality, mm-hmm. except for Dracula has an accent. Mm-hmm. And Gulia is a zombie, so she just moans. But they all say the same thing. <laughs> they have like the same values. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's like no difference between them. Uh, but I think from a, from a character point of view, you want them to be different, especially since one's a vampire and one's Frankenstein's monster and one's you know creature from the Black Lagoon. You would think that they would have very unique shapes, mm-hmm. but they don't take advantage of those archetypes. No, because they've decided what is pretty, and what's pretty is this big head, these skinny bodies, these ludicrously long legs. Yeah. That's what's attractive. So well, you don't want Frankenstein monster is hideous. That's the whole idea behind him. So if you're gonna make some teenage girl that you, that you actually want the kids to buy the toys then they're gonna make her look like pretty and attractive so someone's gonna want to to own her yeah i didn't think you could get more like offensive than barbie <laughs> but these are actually thinner and taller than barbie yeah they're the same brats line which i never like because like that it's those huge eyes and the big lips and like the either no nose or practically no nose yeah and it's like when humans aren't built like that we all have noses our lips are varying sizes our eyes are both big and small and in different shapes and and it's there's no representation of that for ever after high yeah different zodiac signs and mm-hmm. Um, so, my uh, combination of certified fun and almost fun is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
Um, I'm going to start with almost fun. Uh, the the '80s turtles designs are almost the same like Monster High, where if you took out their colored bandanas, in fact, that's all you'd have to do. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then take away that like the their their you know their emblem on their belt that said what their name was. Um, and their weapons. And they, they can't be, speak. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they would all sound exactly the same. They would all, they all look the same. They're the same, like, height. They're the same everything. Um, there's no difference between them. But their personalities are way different. Like, Michelangelo's a party dude. Um, but they all look the same. They don't, they don't look different at all, which is kind of boring. Like, as a kid, you kind of just accept it. But as an adult, looking back at character design uh, for readability, they all look kind of the same. And the opposite of that is the new Ninja Turtles um, on Nickelodeon. They did really good detail on, even though they're all turtles and they're all teenagers, um, they did really cool stuff to differentiate them. For example, Raphael's the tough guy, right? And he has a lot of battle scars on him that are just on him permanently. He has part of his like chest missing, like he has like a big old like lightning bolt scar. Um, his shell is more cracked. He, um, even though they have the same types of shell for the most part, he always has his shoulders up around his neck more because he's always in this tense mode. So his shell rises higher on his back. So it's these little differences that make him appear different from Chuck. He's also shorter, he's stockier because he's tougher. Whereas Donatello, he's like the tallest turtle. He has more of an oval-shaped shell because he's like kind of the nerdy, lanky guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put a big gap in his teeth to make him look a little more yeah. uncool. <laughs> but it works well for the characters. Um, uh, you know, Michelangelo's a little chubbier because he eats all the pizza. And so it's, it's cool because even though you have these very... It's almost the opposite problem of Monster High, because Monster High, you had these really cool archetypes to work with that they took zero advantage of. Mm-hmm. The opposite of that is Ninja Turtles. They're all the same. They're all they're four turtles. Like, turtles look the same. They all look like each other. Mm-hmm. But they did a really good job of, of taking them and making them look different. They also changed their skin tone um, to complement their masks. Mm-hmm. So, um, like... And their eye color, too. It's, it's yeah. so much cool stuff. Like... Like, uh, Raphael has green eyes because he has a red mask, and red and green are complementary colors. So they did really smart stuff to make him look good. Um, you know, Leonardo has blue eyes because he has a blue mask, so they just they're uni- they unified the look a little more. Uh, Michelangelo's more playful, so he has blue eyes, but they're lighter in color because he has more life to him. Mm-hmm. And he has an orange mask, which has energy, and he has a lighter tone of green skin. So he just looks like he has more energy, and he's a happier person in general. Than, than the rest of them. So it's these really cool small nuances from this really um, generic, you know, uh, archetype that they had to work with. And I thought they did a really cool job with that. So that's my uh, certified fun for character design. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, I really loved your sister. She's, yeah. she's really smart. I love... Uh, what she does. She's a really talented artist um, and she's always available for consultations and things of that nature so be sure to hit her up on talaellis.com You can find us at whatmakesafun.com and you can find Amy at ameliaclover.com or ameliaclovervo on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr Alright guys, thanks a lot for joining in and uh, have fun (laughs)